Knowledge is power, and we are all about empowering the mamas of the world. In each episode, we will unravel and interpret the latest research and evidence-based practices for pregnancy, postpartum, and motherhood. As mums and researchers ourselves, we have experienced firsthand the overwhelming complexity of information, myths, and those classic old wives' tales. I'm Dr. Renee White. And I'm Dr. Mika Petucci. And, and this, this is, is The Science of Motherhood. Motherhood. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Renee White. I'm your host today. This is episode 40. Welcome if you are a first time listener and welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. If this is not your first radio here at The Science of Motherhood. Who am I? I am one half of the mother love and business Fill Your Cup which is based in Melbourne and Hobart. And we are a village of doulas who look after mamas and their families after the birth of their babies. So my sidekick, Dr. Mika Batucci and I, in a previous life, we were scientists. And so we have a huge passion for prenatal postpartum nutrition being biochemists that we are. And so we've got over 16 years worth of experience in health and medical research between the two of us. But we don't run this business by ourselves. My goodness, does it take a village to look after mamas and their babies? So a big shout out to our doula village, Georgie and Caitlin and Amanda and Samara and Kate. Hello, hello, hello. But they are a wonderful team who do in-home care for mamas. So that could be weekly and we come in and we tidy up around your house and we all cook from our curated menu that Mika and I have developed with our um, science and evidence-based knowledge. And it is all around replenishing and restoring you mamas after pregnancy and birth. So we make sure that it, the meals are jam-packed full of things like iron and collagen and choline so we can get all those beautiful micro and macronutrients back into you because we know from the research that good nourishing food is not only beneficial for your physical recovery but also your mental health. So that is why food is our jam here at Fill Your Cup. If we can't make it to your house in Melbourne and or Hobart, feel free to jump onto our website. We have got an FYC product range, which includes our delicious and absolutely sold out in like I've just restocked because we sold out on the weekend, our dark chocolate and goji lactation cookie mix. So it's a dry mix where you just rip the top of the bag, pour it into a bowl, add some eggs and coconut oil, and you have got yourself 12 huge, by the way, <laughs> cookies that can be freshly baked in your home. And we have had some absolutely rave reviews about these. We've been cooking them in home for about two years now, actually. It's going to be coming up to two years. And we have got what I like to call our, our cookie mummers <laughs> who are just devouring these cookies. I'm going to read out one of the reviews that we've received. 
We've got beautiful Jen, uh, who is one of our FYC mummers. We've provided some in-home care for her. And she said, quote, breastfeeding is hungry work. I love the FYC cookies for being filling and nutritious and for supporting my milk production. They're also delicious and a big hit with my husband and four-year-old too. So that is just beautiful words from Jen. Thank you so much for that, sweetheart. And so the cookies, they've been deemed high in protein by Food Tech. They're 100% organic, no nasties in there, ready in 15 minutes. My goodness, what more could you want? So if you're not a feeding mama at the moment um, and you know someone who might like a little gift, feel free to jump over to our website, ifillyourcup.com, and you could buy your BFF um, a couple of packets of cookies and get them sent directly to her door. That's always a lovely gift that, that we keep receiving some messages to send to friends and family who've just had babies. So in today's episode, we have got Jolene Winderspay back. She was in episode 31. She is one of our favourite IBCLCs, so internationally accredited lactation consultants. She's also an endorsed midwife and naturopath, so she really kind of integrates that holistic practice into her, her work as a breastfeeding and lactation consultant. And She's a very, very highly qualified health professional. You can hear this in the interview. She's got over a decade worth of experience as a midwife supporting childbearing women throughout their breastfeeding and feeding journeys. And in episode 31, as I described in the beginning, it was kind of a bit of a top level thing, you know, around how to best prepare for your breastfeeding journey, how doulas like ourselves that fill your cup how we can support mamas. And also it was a good episode as well for friends and family to maybe be able to help support their 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 friends and family and their partners um, in their breastfeeding journey. But in today's episode, we take a bit more of a deep dive into those golden hours, how to best prepare for perhaps antenatal expressing or, you know, should you engage a lactation consultant before you actually have the baby arrive or is it sufficient to have someone on call for later? How does nutrition play into your breastfeeding journey? And we kind of look at a few kind of common elements that present themselves as, as challenges and, and work through those. So things like, you know, managing nipple pain and, and when, when the alarm bells start sounding, when, when do we call in a, a health professional like Jolene to come and help and assist you? So I hope you love this episode as much as I did. Jolene is just such a beautiful individual and she's so knowledgeable on this and I would absolutely anticipate nothing less from her with all the qualifications that she has. If you resonate with Jolene and you want to touch base with her, she's got a private practice where you can reach her at jwp.care. So it's J for Jolene, W for Windus and P for pay.care. And she provides in-home consults as well as telehealth 
He is Jolene. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Jolene. How are you? (laughs) I'm great and it's really nice to be back. So thank you. My pleasure, my pleasure. So for all those playing at home, Jolene is an IBCLC. She is also an endorsed midwife and naturopath. And as we've already alluded, this is her second time back. This is part two. Um, If you want to jump back into the first part, um, that is on episode 31. And in that one, we were talking about how, I guess, it was more doula focused, right? It was like, how can doulas help support mums? Because I was being a bit like cheeky and wanted like some one-on-one time with you (laughs) and to work out how we can support our mamas best. So, you know, how to hold space for them emotionally um, and how to set them up for their best, you know, breastfeeding journey. Um, And then we kind of talked about the naturopathic um, as well. And we deep dived into that beautiful chamomile latte recipe. So everyone, if you haven't Mm -hmm. heard that episode, jump back into episode 31. I can say that hand on heart, Jolene and I have been texting about chamomile tea and a new tea that I found at T2, which was a quiet mind. Have you tried it yet? I haven't, but it's, it sounds good. So I definitely want to. It is so good. And this is not a plug for T2 at all. It's not <laughs> sponsored, but I went in to like get my usual um, French or grey chamomile. And then the girls there know me a bit. I'm a bit of a regular, I'm a bit of a tea mm. snob. I have to say that. And she said, oh, you should try this one. It's called A Quiet Mind. And I'm going to Google it now because I need to tell you exactly what's in it. And I was going through a bit of a stressful part in my life because we were leading up to the launch and I was not sleeping. It was like classic, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this. And the seller for me on the Quiet Mind Tea was, and I'm just going to find the ingredients, she said, oh, it's got ashwagandha in it. And I was like, and I'm sold. Like, I absolutely need this because I know that that is literally going to send me to sleep. So we've got rose hip apple, peppermint, chamomile, ashwagandha, elderberry, lemongrass, lavender, sage, strawberry leaves, eucalyptus, linden, and it's got some natural flavouring, ginseng, which threw me because I was like, isn't that going to give me energy? Blue mallow petals and echinacea. And can I just tell you, do not drink this like, like, before 30 minutes before you're about to go to bed it will knock your socks off and I love it (laughs) really you think it like sedated you oh my god I have the best sleep ever when I have that and maybe maybe it's I need to do like a placebo because I am a bit of a science nut but I just find for me I can go to sleep but it's the if I wake up to go to the toilet or I get like woken up from the cat or the dog or whatever Really, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's just a given. Um, actually, no, Eva's actually quite good. She'll just like jump in bed with me. It's quite a smooth transition now. I think we've nailed it. <laughs> but the cat and the dog are just like, I want to go outside or something like that. I cannot get back to sleep. But if I have this tea, I find it much easier to transition back into that deep sleep. So, yeah, again, not a plug, but we're here to help the mummers. So if you need some help with that, then go get yourself some quiet mind tea from T2. 
That sounds good. And I think also like that you're doing something proactive to help yourself get deep sleep, like that self-care aspect. But you know you're looking after yourself so you can just like relax it a little bit more. So I Mm -hmm. think that helps too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so today Mm. we're going to go for a deep dive. We are deep diving around how to best prepare for your breastfeeding journey And we're going to focus in on that first, what they call the golden hours, that first four hours, you know, 24 hours, and then that first week. What can we do in the lead up to it? And what what should mamas be expecting at each one of those stages? Because we had a wonderful Instagram follower. She reached out and asked a question which has kind of, I guess, springboarded us into this topic. And we'll we'll get to that question later. But do you do you want to start us off, Jolene? How do you, if someone came to you and said, I'm six months pregnant, I really want to set myself up for the best kind of chance possible to make this a really successful and positive journey for myself, what are some of your top tips that you would recommend for that mama? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I meet so many mothers and parents who are just blindsided by yes. newborns and their breastfeeding experience. So, yeah, I think we will talk about this a bit more maybe later, but we know that we can't just rely on the hospital system. Mm-hmm. We need to really <laughs> empower. That's what the whole doula thing is about. You really want to take ownership of your experience. And I was just writing a bit of content um, about this the other day where I was thinking that in no other area in your life would you set a huge goal and do no preparation. Oh, yes. And it's such, it's an important goal. And there's also a lot of societal pressure. Like we know breast is best, Mm -hmm. but it's how you actually achieve it that matters, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think first it's sort of talking talking to who's around you, have they breastfed, how did they find it and get a wide sort of variety of experiences. Because if you're just coming from, a group of mums who have maybe found it relatively smooth then you mm. maybe don't have that kind of struggle kind of um, conversation going on and yeah. then vice versa like it's nice to have positive and negatives so I think and you know if you're talking to friends or mothers that you know they're gonna put it in language that you relate to so I think that's probably the most first basic step to take mm. yeah. and that's kind um, of to me that leverages off the village that we don't have anymore. And typically I was talking to a mum about this the other day. She's like, I'd never breastfed before. I was the first, you know, I was the first child in kind of our family to to breastfeed. You know, I didn't have any brothers or sisters and kind of hanging out with anyone where I could just observe and watch. And I was the first in my friends to have a baby. It's so hard if you haven't actually observed other people do it, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's quite a modern issue that we we have this struggle with breastfeeding because like you're saying, we're so disconnected. Like we would have just grown up, you know, our whole life seeing the mothers in the community breastfeed. It just that's where it's sort of the idea that it's quite natural kind of comes from if mm-hmm. you're just seeing it the whole time you're growing up. 
so and you know lots of parents have never actually handled a newborn baby when you know when they become parents so it's quite it's quite sort of quite scary unknown territory you know mixed with all the emotions and everything else that's gone on the experience as well yeah and I guess thinking about you know there is a lot of money to be made in the birthing and parenting Mm -hmm. space but I do think that there is a lot of really good information out there so finding some kind of course or book or even podcasts to educate yourself. Um, I do really like the Gestalt breastfeeding course by Dr. Pamela. That is to me really affordable and it teaches you how breastfeeding works, like the sort of, she calls it the mechanics of breastfeeding. So mm-hmm. I I did that course personally and I feel like it was a little bit of a game changer for my practice as well. And I think yeah. once you sort of get your head around what the baby's actually doing when they're sort of sucking onto the breast and how the vacuum of milk works, you'll be able to understand and know what you're looking for a little bit more. Yeah. And that's that's at the Milk and Moon Babies website now. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna say Possums and Co, but they've done a little bit <laughs> you, of a rebrand. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that is very affordable. And then I guess there's some other courses that out there. I'm not gonna particularly plug anyone, but I think it's it is an investment and it's a you know breastfeeding people say they want to breastfeed for a year that is a huge goal so I think the more you can arm yourself with what to expect and what it's going to be like mm-hmm. and the less you have to rely on this the hospital staff to guide you through that process the more empowered your experience will be yeah absolutely it's like saying okay Today, I've decided that next year I'm going to run the New York Marathon. It's like you don't just wake up and run it. It's like you need the right equipment. You need the coach. You need the nutrition. Mm -hmm. You need all of these facets. And I think, again, back to your point of a lot of mamas, and I did this hand on heart, you know, I thought, oh, just use my motherly intuition. It'll kick Mm -hmm. in. Breastfeeding is a natural phenomenon, but it does not come naturally. Yeah. That's what people, I think, a lot of people don't understand. Until you're in it, you're like, oh, God, (laughs) I did not prepare for this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I I think also, like, there's a lot, we've come a long way in terms of, like, birth preparation. So Mm -hmm. I think... And then everyone sort of invests and fixates on that. And that, that do not get me wrong, that is so, so important as well. Yeah. But then, yeah, the breastfeeding sort of gets a little bit left, left yeah. out. So, yeah, that that would be like the first two things I'd recommend. So kind of what's around you, what's easy to reach, then maybe exploring what's, you know, online resources a bit more. And then the next thing I would say is finding a lactation consultant okay. and setting up your team of health professionals. So if you've got a doula who um, is experienced with breastfeeding or has that IBCLC qualification too, that's amazing. Or if you've got midwives looking after you or the obstetrician, do they have a IBCLC they trust on their team, that kind of thing. Like asking what those health professionals that may be available to you are yeah can I pause for a second because I think this is a really important point I think I just want to make it really clear to the listeners what an IBCLC actually is versus a lactation consultant yeah (laughs) yeah that is is a really good question and because Because there's probably some people out there going 
a lactation we're use we're kind of using them interchangeably and yeah. and and we can we can to a degree but i think it's a really important note to pause and reflect on the level of time and energy and the qualifications that are required to become a registered ibclc versus mm-hmm. a lactation consultant yeah can you yeah. just quickly talk to us about that <laughs> yeah no definitely and Sorry for just kind of being no, the health okay. professional language, yeah. throwing that around there. But yeah, so IBCLC is an acronym. Mm-hmm. So it's Internationally Board Certified Lactation Consultant. And it's the international qualification um, by the recognized body in, the, in America for lactation consultants. So in Australia, there's no regulation for lactation consultants in general. So Anyone can actually call themselves a lactation consultant. Yep, my plumber can, my electrician, my husband, me right now. I'm a lactation consultant. Yeah, so that is problematic. So you want to look for someone who's actively promoting that, that IBCLC. Those are the the key letters that you're looking for. And there's an exam that you have to sit and certain criteria to um, be able to apply for the exam. And then every five years, we have to do a recertification process. So it means that we're having adequate experience, that we're always upkeeping our knowledge and that we're, yeah, that's a a constant betterment of the practice. Amazing. Thank you. It's something that I'm currently investigating. Mm, That's exciting. Yeah, it's just it is such a huge investment of time. So I think there's different, there's three different routes that you can take. And at the moment I'm definitely exploring, like it's 500 hours of on the job experience with a mentor. Then you've got to go and do like, I think it's like 90 hours of counseling. And then there's a whole raft of subjects that you need to complete online. So it'll be like, you know, science-based subjects, so physiology, anatomy, um, statistics, all of those things. So when <laughs> when you see IBCLC, they have worked real hard for it. Like you can assure yourself that they are well qualified for that position. Okay, we have established IBCLC. So if you're looking for an IBCLC, what are the types of things that you would look for in an individual, I guess, to support your journey. Are there anything in particular that comes to mind? I mean, it's a bit subjective because it depends who you are. Like, you know, I'm speaking from my experience as a midwife as well. Not everyone wants someone who's sort of all buttery and gentle. Some people yeah. want like, you know, yeah. straight shooter. They yeah. want to know. Um, so it just, it depends what type of um, personality you think you need. But I do think that lactation... IBCLC lactation consultants (laughs) need to have a really high level of patience because we're working with a mother and baby that are learning and we need to give that time it takes time we can't rush the process and that sort of air of tension or like impatience just adds adds to the stress of the situation so I do think that that's really important and then I agree so much yeah exactly so, so that's that is a big one. But also, you know, are they really generous with their knowledge? Are they 
you know, I know there's a sort of marketing aspect to it, but are they putting out content? Are they educating their audience? Like, are they sharing sharing their passion um, and kind of letting you know who they are before you sort of engage in their services? I think that that is a nice way to be able to kind of build that sort of trust factor as well. It's got to be someone that you trust, hands down. Yeah. One of the things that I really love about your service, Jolene, is that it is something where in your packages it's more than one session because you have identified very quickly that, and and you touched on this earlier, it's it's an ongoing journey. It's Mm. not something where you can rush in and do a 10-minute like viewing and go, oh, yeah, I think this is the problem, da-da-da-da-da, this is what you should do, thanks very much, goodbye. I love the fact with your packages there's always follow-up, there's always follow-up messaging and calling and interaction and communication, and then you get that in-person follow-up. I think that's something that mamas should definitely be looking for as well because you want this to be an ongoing thing. If you have an issue where... I think one, you know, one of the top things is nipple pain, and we're going to get to mm. that in a second. But mm. you want to make sure that you know your IBCLC is making that assessment, and then they're helping you with those kind of micro movements and being able to sit back and position bubs and you. Mm-hmm. And then you absolutely want the follow up, whether it be because the issue hasn't been rectified mm-hmm. or. Actually, more importantly, and we see this a lot with our FYC mamas, they just need someone to come back and go, 100%, you got it, yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Need that confidence booster. Or mm-hmm. it could just be a slight little tweak and then you're just going to like, you know, thrive after that. That's what you should be looking for, I think, personally, and that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love your service and you are an FYC <laughs> referrer in Melbourne. So um, I just wanted to put that in, that mamas should be looking for something where it's an ongoing yes. kind of service, not just this in and out, quick, see you later, goodbye kind of avenue. Yeah, I agree with that so much. That's why I did design the package. I I have recently opened my books up to a one-off because mm-hmm. I would rather help more people than not and I don't yeah. want cost to be a barrier. I do provide a really thorough, really high-quality service, but I don't want cost to be so much of a barrier to um, mums in Melbourne. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think having that known relationship is really important. And you would know this from your doula work. The more sort of sessions you have someone, the more you sort of relax into it and the more you can trust. Just I feel like sometimes even when I just walk through the door, they just immediately relax. And that just is priceless in terms of what that sort of dynamic at the breast is like for the mum and baby. Mm -hmm. When that mum's feeling really emotionally supported, she can really fully kind of let it all out and yes. yeah it's it's very therapeutic I guess also something else you want to look for is do they have a holistic approach it's not just only looking at the baby breastfeeding like I look at the mum what's going on with her like how is she mentally emotionally that's why I talk about the nutrition the nutrition supports the mental and emotional yep. you know how well she is supported is she if she doesn't have a doula I always talk about having a doula and then other sort of allied complementary health professionals as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, let's let's touch on nutrition for a sec. So mm-hmm. if someone kind of came to you at, again at that six month mark, what are the types of fin- things from a nutritional perspective that you would suggest or recommend to them in order to kind of, you know, gear up for that best breastfeeding journey? Yeah, it, preparation is so key. I think firstly, fill your freezer with nutritious, protein rich. I know we talked about eggs <laughs> and protein last time, so don't go down that path this time. But Go back to um, episode 31 for that one where we yeah, exactly. bang on about protein. <laughs> Yeah, like planning those meals that you know you're going to want to eat, not just you feel that you should. Like when you're tired and you've had a stressful day in your postpartum, you want something yummy and nourishing. So I think really think about the types of meals that are going to be able to reheat it well, quickly, and that you're still going to want to eat at the end of the day. So I think, you know, you think about that for a few weeks, have a little note on your iPhone, you know, whatever phone you're using and just think about and you know hunt down some recipes so I think planning in that sense and then you can actually tell your community in your village oh this is what I want you to make me if you drop Mm -hmm. me off a meal or setting setting up the meal train as well well in advance I think that there's lots of websites that kind of set that up it's very like no fuss and it's right there for everyone to see. So, and you can you can have that sort of going on for weeks or even months if mm, needed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do you and then have any go to foods that you like would in, like encourage mamas to have, or it's literally yeah. just that, like whatever makes you feel warm and fuzzy, and like really kind of boosting that oxytocin. Um, I do like a balanced meal. So I think you know if we're thinking about postpartum foods, we obviously want to have if we're if we're eating meat, we want to be having sort of slow cooked stews, you know, especially if we can cook with as much of the animal as possible. So using the bones, bone broth, that kind of thing. I mean, I love to do, if it's more vegetarian or vegan style, like a nice Mexican with beans and rice, that's actually quite a good way to have your carbs and your proteins together. It doesn't spike your blood sugar as much. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, also a really easy one is a really nourishing soup. And then you can do like a pre-made garlic bread in the oven. And that's like so nice. (laughs) I'm starving. It's half past 11 here in Hobart. I'm like, oh my God, stop talking about garlic bread. (laughs) Do you have any, do you have any favorite one-handed snacks? Lactation cookies. Yeah. Lactation cookies. (laughs) Uh, But I I look for ones that aren't um, high in sugar, obviously, you know, we're looking for balance and we're looking for fiber yeah, and protein from your sort of nuts and seeds. So good wholesome ingredients. And then also like a protein, um, homemade protein kind of snack as well with lots of nuts. You can even kind of, um, if you're going to bake it, put an egg through the mixture as well. So that's like a nice way to kind of get a really nutritious snack as well. Yeah. And then the hard-boiled egg. I just, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. With some like seaweed seasoning or something tasty yes. on there. Um, I, I, I actually, I don't know if I mentioned this in our previous episode, but I mentioned this to all of my mums that if someone comes over and they're kind of like, oh, you know, what would you like me to do? And you're stuck, tell them to go to the fridge and boil six eggs for you, shell them and put them in a container yeah. And, and, you know, that is your one-handed snack. Like it is literally a gold mine of nutrients in yeah. those beautiful eggs. So, yeah. yeah. 
Get onto it, mamas. Fill your freezers <laughs> and get get your eggs happening. I love that. I want to touch on because I I have seen it a lot and I've seen a few questions around this also on the socials around um, antenatal expressing. So expressing some colostrum prior to bubs arrives. What's your thoughts on that? Is that is that is it a must? Is it a good to have is it a not necessary type thing because I think I was talking to another lactation consultant and she was saying that in some countries it's just not even a thing like people just don't even do it and here in Australia it's almost like I don't want to say a trend but it's definitely like there's definitely a vibe going on (laughs) with it all what's your thoughts on it yeah, no, this is a good question. Well, I think in Australia, it's particularly a, a topic because of the Dane trial, which was a, a, a study about hand expressing okay, um, anti, or antenatal expressing, they call it. But for any mums out there who are thinking, what are they talking about? It's, yeah, tell, yeah, let's, let's, because we're, again, it. we're jargoning, we're jargoning. Yeah. First time mummers who are like, what the hell are these girls on about? <laughs> <laughs> So it's the idea that after 36 or 37 weeks pregnant that you would manually, we say, express or extract some colostrum out of the breast. And not not all mothers actually have colostrum. Like the body is making colostrum, but it's not necessarily leaking or readily available during pregnancy. Gotcha. So there's sort of a, a sort of sense of pressure that you have to get colostrum and if mm-hmm. you don't are you already failing mm-hmm. um or do, is that you know setting setting up a negative tone for your breastfeeding experience and I do not agree with that at all I think that the benefit of hand expressing is getting to know your breasts in a new way and feeling confident and mastering the technique because when you get to the hospital you definitely need to ask for breastfeeding support, but the more you can do for yourself, the midwives are just going to love you. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you just make their life easier. Um, and it shows the midwives that you've actually taken some time to learn and you're not just relying on them to teach you everything. So yeah. I think it's a really good skill to, regardless of whether you actually bring colostrum to the hospital or wherever you're birthing, I think that just knowing that technique is it will it will serve you well. You may not even use it, but let's learn it while we're not sleep yeah. deprived and have a screaming baby. Yes, yes. Yeah. all the yes to that. I, yeah. I think I, that was actually one of my points that I'd kind of written down. You know, becoming familiar with your own anatomy, with your own breasts. I, I mean, I honestly wish that I'd done that. I remember stepping out of the breastfeeding course that I had done through the private hospital that I went with. And thinking to myself, I have no idea what the hell that was all about. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like I'd learnt anything. And my husband said to me, "Don't you think it would have been like a much, like more valuable time for everyone if everyone just got their boobs out and was like, okay, let's try and do this. You know, <laughs> like let's try and hand express or let's actually become familiar with our anatomy because for me, I had very flat nipples, and I at the time I was like." this might be an issue. I'm not really sure. I might have to like get a nipple shield. I I just don't know. But it would have been really like if I had, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. I should have engaged an IVCLC prior to the birth of my child. I should have 
done all of that because I was that mom going, I've got this, I've totally got this. And then internally I'm like, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. She's not latching. She's screaming. I'm tired. I'm sore. I had, you know, I'd had a cesarean. I was just like, oh my God, this is such a pain in the ass. Mm. And I wish that I had, you know, got more familiar with my own anatomy. And as mm-hmm. you say, it doesn't matter whether you're able to actually extract express colostrum or not. That's not mm-hmm. indicative of anything of what your journey is going to be, but it is just nice to go, I know how to do this. Cause it's not just standing, it's not just like sitting there squeezing your boob. There's actual like proper technique, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah. And it's, it's a very specific technique. Like, yeah. There's often I will actually guide a mother to a more correct technique and the amount that they actually get is it will just double like so quickly. So amazing. I love that. So arm yourselves with research and information numbers. And if you're not sure, engage with some sort of IBCLC or like on with the gestalt breastfeeding, does she teach any colostrum or no, 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 I don't think so. It's more. It's a very basic guide to basically fit and hold, or, yeah. or what was sort of widely known as positioning and attaching the baby to the breast, and in a more laid back style, which is is my sort of preferred go to um, yeah. technique. I find it's the most sort of sustainable for the majority of mothers and babies. Gotcha. Okay. Well, with that. Let's talk about, let's really deep dive into what's happening in those first few minutes and hours once Bubs is there. How, what are we, what are we looking for? How can we kind of start that journey, you know, so there's the best opportunity for success. Are we looking for, like, is nipple pain normal? Is that not normal? How, what should we be looking for in, in terms of positioning and things like that? Yeah, these are all really good questions. Can I go back quickly to yes. what we were talking about earlier with, you know how you said flat nipples? Yes. That is also an important part of the pre or the antenatal consultation with the lactation consultants. They should actually be seeing your breasts and seeing what your nipples are like and or if you're not comfortable with that just yet you can describe what's going on they should be asking you have you had some kind of breast changes like Mm -hmm. a bit of bit of growth that kind of thing and then talking about your nipple shape you know thousands and thousands of different shapes and sizes everyone's unique yeah but there are certain shapes and sizes that lend themselves to more challenges so Mm -hmm. it's great to know that ahead of time and what tools and strategies you might find helpful on the other side when baby is trying to um, latch on yes definitely Okay, so let's let's talk about those golden hours. What are we looking for, Jolene? What what can a mama and also I think I'd like to talk about their support network as well. What should the partner be? Is there something where the partner can help with assisting with, you know, that kind of nurturing and bonding and, mm, and the latch and everything like that? Yeah, yeah, there's so much partners can do. I mean, it's their baby too. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, a lot of the education is geared at the mum and baby and you might even find staff members are just only educating the mother, but it's, yeah. it, we want the partners to get involved. 
So, you know, working as a team, it's just that, you know, you're not the one necessarily physically doing the breastfeeding, but you can do the nappy changes, get right in there with the nappies and the bathing. And then even if the baby is just unsettled or wanting to cluster feed and the mum has just hit that wall and she can't do it anymore, she needs a break, you're the one to, you know, take the baby, either do some skin to skin or, you know, just rock and sway with the baby, whatever that baby needs to just be calm in that moment to give that mum that little bit of reprieve. That is so, so valuable. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So in ter- let's let's look at physical pain. This is yeah. something that crops up all the time, particularly in the first hours and days. Yeah. Is nipple pain normal? So I would say it's common. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it depends how much pain. I think we can have some tenderness and discomfort, you know, to put that pressure on yourself to have absolutely no yeah, pain when you're learning to <laughs> breastfeed. It's just like, it's a little bit hard to achieve. But where pain becomes problematic, that it's continuous, mm-hmm. that it's not improving or reducing, it's very relentless, and that the nipple skin is actually starting to change. So, it's like that process of when a shoe doesn't fit, we're getting a blister and then that yeah. just gets worse and worse and worse until we're sort of actively healing and um, remedying the situation. Yeah, 100%. So if that's the case, what other types of things that mums should be looking for? Should they, you know, I guess actually take a step back. What is going on when there's nipple pain? Let's talk yeah. about, I guess, the physiology and yeah, I'm probably sure that we're going to touch on the gestalt, <laughs> you know, mechanisms and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you can feel but it already. What What is going on to cause that nipple pain? As you said, it's normal to kind of have some sort of, you know, tenderness and, and things like that. But if it's ongoing, let's talk about what's actually happening. Is there something that a mum could actually observe? You know, they're looking down. Is there something that they should be, they can see is happening? Or the support person um, or their partner as well. You know, I, I always find as a doula, and I'm not an IBCLC yet, yet, but when I observe, I find that at different angles, you can see some things that mama might not be able to mm-hmm. see. And, again, mm-hmm. it comes back to that micro movement of, do you want to just, like, tilt back a fraction? How does that feel? You know, type of thing. They're like, oh, actually, yeah, that that actually yeah that feels much better what are we what are we what is occurring when there's nipple pain and how i guess you know it's different it's individual but how are we going to remedy that yeah i think there's you know if we're talking about the sort of most common um, reason for nipple pain it would be that the what we call the latch or the fit and hold isn't as optimal as it can be and that means that there's some part of the baby it's generally the gum so either the top or bottom gum is actually contacting the nipple rather than the deeper tissue breast behind Mm -hmm. the nipple Mm -hmm. and that actually causes friction and causes skin breakage and I think when you're in pain you've really focused it's really hard to focus on anything that isn't the pain Mm-hmm. So you 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 can be quite blind to the other things that, you know, we sort of as the healthcare providers have like that bird's eye view, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think there's something that they talk about a lot in hospital is these flanged lips. 
with yes. Alexa sort of Can sticking out. Can we talk out. about that for a second? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it's it's actually been disproven by yes, research. Yes, it has. Yeah, so, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, if anyone mentions that to you, you can just kind of quietly put it to the side and not really yeah. focus on it. You know, what what matters more, well, the research has um, proven it's been ultrasound studies too, which is amazing um, to see what's actually going on in real time with, when a baby's breastfeeding that it's more the vacuum that the baby's mouth creates that causes the milk to flow rather than the position or the seal of the lips. So, you know, we don't need to focus on that. What I do, there's something I do really love from Robin Thompson's method, which she talks about the four points of contact, so the nose, the chin, the and the cheeks, mm-hmm. evenly and symmetrically touching the breast, and that I think the cheeks in particular are really important because I often find, you know, if we've got mums feeding in cradle or cross cradle, that means in, in front of the body, mm-hmm. that the top cheek yes. is kind of rolled away from the mother's face, uh, sorry, the the mother's breast a little bit mm-hmm. so we can almost see the lips. Yeah. If you can see your baby's lips, your baby is not close enough. Yeah. 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 100%. And I guess. Yeah, if we're talking about the nose, we want to have the baby's nose very flush against the breast. Babies breathe breathe sort of out of the sides of the nostrils, not like we do, which is out of the front of the the nose. Mm. So they're designed to be quite smushed up. And, you know, my, you know, I get clients asking me all the time, can my baby breathe? And of course, you're a mum, you need to be asking that a very important question, but your baby can breathe if your baby's drinking. There's no way that your baby would ever choose food yeah. over air. This just a, will not yeah. happen. So yeah. you can be so reassured that they're breathing. They've got that freedom to move their head if they want to. And yeah, the, the swallowing, it's all working nicely. So they mm. will let you know if they're not breathing. And also you can you can see them breathing. You can hear them breathing and you can feel their body breathing as well yeah so so don't just fo- try and focus on the nostrils and yeah. the, the thing we also see with that is when you might um want to be tempted to pull the breast tissue away from the baby's nose just to check that they can breathe yes and then that can actually disrupt the latch a little bit because you're applying a bit of pressure on the breast which might pull the nipple a little bit out of the mouth yeah yeah What's your view? Is there because I keep seeing the hamburger hold, like to mm. hold your breast first? What again? I want to talk about what's going on there when you're doing that. Uh, is your I guess is your philosophy more that the child just come to the breast as it is, or do you think that there should kind of be some positioning? What's the kind of pros and cons, and yeah. what's going on with the physiology there? This is so good to talk about this. So I think this hamburger thing comes from, it's it's quite an old technique from that sort of 1950s kind of mothercraft oh style. Okay. <laughs> um, but what, what they're trying to achieve is is the sort of the, the latch already have happened, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I find it's much more effective for, for most babies. Some do need help. It depends, you know, how many interventions have gone on because interventions mm. really mess with instincts. Like, let's just remember that. That's really yeah. important. Yeah. But 
if we let that baby, if we line that baby up with a nipple, let them suck and vacuum that nipple right deep into their mouth like they just will naturally do, you arrive at the place um, anyway. So Mm -hmm. let's just make it more simple. Let, Let the baby's instincts guide, supporting the mother to position the baby in the right way. But if the baby can latch onto that nipple themselves, that's going to do it so much better than us sort of handling or manhandling the breast and trying to achieve that for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense because, as I said, I'm not an IBCLC. I'm just trying to remember, I guess, what I was taught. The only issue that we had was was just my nipples. And so once I had the nipple shield, from memory and also I think Pamela um, Douglas talks about this as well in the gestalt it's like if you look at where your breasts naturally just are you know what where are your nipples pointing everyone's is going to be different Mm -hmm. you're effectively a puzzle piece so is your child you just need to work out how those two puzzle pieces are going to work yeah and then you know just bring your baby to to the breast and work out how best that's going to be and I think I think we can touch on the fact that that deck chair kind of yeah reclining yeah yeah also helps just opens up that positioning between you know your breast and your your beautiful round tummy Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. going to be I call it like the ledge the cushion where your bubba's gonna like you know just relax and and just pretend you're both in Hawaii you know you're deck chairing with the pina colada the baby's on the beautiful cushion and we're all happy days everyone's drinking beautifully so yeah yeah no definitely that the, the mother's position is so, so important. And I think I just wanted to add one thing about the, the hamburger mm. is that the more you handle the breast, the more you're obscuring that natural position and shape of the breast. So, yeah. a lot, you know, because if we're doing a hamburger technique, we're usually coming from underneath the breast. Yeah. You will just naturally lift the breast. And then we've got that issue where we latch the baby too high and then what does the breast want to do when you let it go? It wants to draw, it wants to fall back to where it normally falls. And then yeah. you that's what creates nipple drag. Yes. And and pain. Yeah. Or the baby might just not be able to maintain that nipple in their mouth. It's taking too much work and it'll come out. And you'll get a baby coming off and they're really frustrated. And then you have to just go through that whole latching oh, process again. Absolutely. Are there any other, I guess, oh, red flags that mamas should be aware of? We've talked about nipple pain. Is there anything else that kind of comes to mind in that possibly you've seen mums kind of think to themselves, oh, I just thought that that's just how it was supposed to be? And then mm. you're like, actually, <laughs> we can we can remedy that if we try, you know, optimising this fit and hold. Is there anything else that comes to mind that mum should be thinking about in that first kind of, you know, couple of days, first week when they're really establishing that beautiful fit and hold? In terms of nipple pain? Oh, anything else in, like, is there anything else that you think is unusual? Like, I I guess, nipple thrush or... Oh, okay. Um... Oh, actually, when it if it's if you're pumping and it's sore, yep, that that's a good one to talk about because okay. 
you know, pumping is never going to be a comfortable experience. It's incredibly mechanical. It feels a bit degrading. Lots of mums say they just feel like a cow. So, I and, it. And, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, and it, it becomes kind of almost a little bit of a traumatic experience for some mums. Some mothers mm-hmm. like it. They just want to know like how much the baby's getting or, you know, whatever works for them and that's fine. But I do find majority of mums don't enjoy the time that they spend pumping but there's this there's this idea that more is more so more suction equals more milk and that's not necessarily the case and we really want to think about treating the nipple you know it's it's a delicate area of the body and the breast is actually an organ it's not a muscle so we we can't be too rough with it and when you have what we call the flange, so the plastic kind of connection that goes over the nipple, mm-hmm. if that's either too large or you've got suction that's too strong, you're going to be drawing a lot of that areola tissue into the the pump, which we don't want. We just want the nipple moving. Yeah. And then if you think about RSI, like repetitive strain injury, that can actually happen if you've got a lot of pumping happening a lot of pumping happening in 24 hours and you've got a high suction as well so I actually Mm -hmm. meet mums who've got almost behind the nipple and inside the breast is really achy and and sore and almost sometimes bruised from from sort of overzealous pumping so that's just something that I'd want to really caution about. Yeah absolutely there's um, an Australian company called Milk Drop have you heard of them they've got Um, so they literally have taken that exact problem of just that because this is the thing I really didn't like with with the pumps. It was that plastic flange mm-hmm. and it felt very mechanical and very impersonal as well. Yeah. So, so forget the girl's name and I'm on the website at the moment. So they're soft silicon. Oh uh, yeah kind of cushion like an inserts yeah yes that mm. you that you put over the flange and it mm-hmm. helps protect your breast and your nipple and it again it's that much softer kind of probably very luxe feeling as well on your breast instead of it feeling very very mechanical so yeah um, I this is it's only just come out in the last couple of years so I've never actually used them personally but I've I've heard they're lovely to use so Mm. again not sponsored just here to help the mamas (laughs) so if you if you need and want to breastfeed try the try the milk drop silicon uh coverings they they yeah possibly revolutionize your life yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a good tip. There are other um, companies that are doing a sort of silicon inserts as well. And I think, yeah, the, the pump technology, it sort of comes so far, but it needs to come a lot further, I think, and um, really make make equipment that's designed for women's bodies at a time of need as well. Like when you're pregnant and breastfeeding, you're just so, so sensitive and you just want soft, comfortable things. You don't yeah. want hard, you know, everything just feels, um, yes. ugh, you know, it, it doesn't yeah. feel right if it's not comfortable. So yeah, yeah. yeah there, there's a lot more that's needed in that space. Definitely. hundred percent. I feel like, you know, as you said, it's coming along, but it needs like, hurry mm. up everyone. Like we need to, <laughs> we need to, we need to get it um, moving a little bit faster. We're going to wrap up with our question from one of our Instagram followers when we put the shout out there. And mm. for anyone who wants to send through a question or a topic on anything, we'd be more than happy to research and, and find an expert on it like 
like Jolene, but our one particular follower asked, is there enough time and or I guess resources for quality lactation assessment in our maternity system, both public and private? Would you like to take a take a roll of the dice on that one, Jolene? Have yeah. you worked have you worked in public and private or so in New Zealand I work yep. all public yep. and in New Zealand uh, and Australia I've only done private. Okay. Yeah, but um, one of the private hospitals, or a few of them actually that I've worked at, have been very closely linked to public hospitals. So I'm, okay. I've talked to the staff. I have, you know, have an idea, but I think the hospital healthcare system is under immense pressure. And then we've also, with the private system, you know, we've got we've got key performance indicators, right? So the longer you stay in hospital, the more it costs, and they don't really like that. And I'm, mm-hmm. that's really blunt, but it is the truth. So. It is you a know, business at the end of the day. Exactly. A yeah. Exactly. So I think going in there with realistic expectations, and this is a good question because, you know, it would be nice to be able to get everything you need from your hospital experience, but it's not often the case. And, you know, I've worked as a midwife and lactation consultant in both settings, and we're pretty slammed, to be honest. So we want to do our best. You know, as a lactation consultant, I often would see people on the day they're going home. And, you know, if you're in a private hospital, that's day five or six. If you're in the public hospital, that's potentially 24 hours. So, you know, in a 24-hour stay, it's very difficult to kind of even get your head around your new baby, let alone set yourself up for breastfeeding. And I do know that some of the public kind of ongoing support once you've discharged is, you know, this long wait list, that kind of thing. So I think having someone privately or that, you know, whether it's your doula that's got that qualification or you've sought out your own lactation consultant or somewhere that you can kind of rely on for a bit of help when needed is um, really great to have up your sleeve. Yeah, I think that you know, the staff in the hospital want to do their best. They're just not always able to because of the the time constraints and the, yeah, the sort of other patients that are looking after as well. So in terms of quality lactation consultant, I think go private because you'll get that one-to-one, build that relationship, that in-depth, that plan, that experience, and then that follow-up as well. I yeah. couldn't agree more. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I love, I think it's, you know, the takeaways are absolutely like there is no midwife or lactation consultant who's just there for mother, the money. You know, everyone's trying to do the best job they possibly mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. It is just that everyone is so under the pump. And I think, you know, given the last couple of years with COVID and stuff, mm. very well unresourced because particularly here in Tasmania, we had a lot of nurses and midwives being channeled into other things like Mm -hmm. COVID response and care and and things like that. And unfortunately, you know, they were taken out of the maternity system as were maternal child health nurses as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. absolutely take home message is do your research you know, engage in depending on what your budget is. Uh, you know, there's mm-hmm. as you kind of described, there's cost-effective courses out there on on the internet, and also engaging with an IBCLC of that one-on-one service. But yeah, was there anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, um, I do think like it's not that you have to 
use a private lactation consultant, but I think maybe just at least know who you would use if you had to, right? So that you're not doing that research when you're already, things are Mm. not going well, it's very stressful and you're having to make those quite important decisions very in a very short amount of time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, and, and I'm check always... check if they're free as well. Available, your, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> and have a backup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, if I'm not available, I would generally give a couple of recommendations. But, yeah, I think I'm always happy to have a chat as well. So, if you just want to kind of, you know, ask me a few questions in terms of am I the right person for you, that's definitely fine. I think that's really important, actually. So, yeah, that's what I would say. And then I know we didn't really talk about too much of what to expect in terms of a baby's behavior. Mm-hmm. Maybe that can be part three. I'm not that's sure. That's part three. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely yeah. part three because I feel okay. like we could absolutely deep dive on that. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. There's just so, so much, much to unpack. Yeah. So much to unpack. We might pause it there for part mm-hmm. three. Where can people find you, Jolene? on social media, website, and if you're happy to disclose any of the hospitals that you work in, whether people could be excited to see you (laughs) at the lactation room. Yeah. So I've got a website. It's a really easy URL, jwp.care. That's it. And I've got the same Instagram handle and I try to put out really useful content on Instagram. My goal is to really benefit my audience. And yes, I do work at a private hospital, Francis Perry. They're attached to the Royal Women's. That's the private section. And I work in the outpatient clinic. So definitely book in and see me. I'd love to see you and give you a hand. Amazing. Thank you again for your time and your wisdom and all the valuable information that you pass on. Like I always um, check out your content on Instagram because I'm just like, and share it as well because I'm just like, Lord, this is so, so good. (laughs) I think my constant thing for your post when I share is everyone save this, everyone save this, everyone (laughs) save this. Because I'm just like, You need to, you absolutely just need to save this information because it's almost like building your own little bank of resources on, you know, when things go south, this is what you need to remember about, you know, setting yourself up for your breastfeeding journey. So um, thanks for making all that beautiful and very, very valuable content. Um, It is very much appreciated. All right, Jolene, until next time, and there absolutely will be another another episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me for the past hour. Yeah, my pleasure. It's gone so fast. I know, I know. All right, till next time. Thank you. Okay. See ya. Bye, Renee. If you know someone out there who would also love to listen to this episode, please hit the share button so they can benefit from it as well. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Science of Motherhood. If you would like to contact us, we are at ifillyourcup.com or you can DM us at ifillyourcup underscore via Instagram. You can find all of our services, including our postpartum in-home care and our Fill Your Freezer meal delivery service as well through both those channels. Thanks so much for listening.